welcome to Prince Track by Track presents Midnight Vultures Track by Track. Today we're going to be talking about Beautiful Way, which is the ninth track from Midnight Vultures, released on the 23rd of November 1999, written by Beck. Uh, on the track we have Beck with his usual band, uh, Roger Joseph Manning Jr., uh, Justin Medal Johnson, uh, Jerry Wanaka on drums, and then we have two, two steel pedal guitars, uh, played by, I'm going to say, Greg Leitz and... Uh, I think JD Manis is the kind of is the main one, um, and then also on backing vocals. Although I can't say I really heard her voice, there is Beth Orton. Yeah, it, it's not very uh, it's it, it's not very high in the mix. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the more I can uh, more in on the backing vocals, I can hear is Beck like double tracking himself. Mm. So, um, uh, the track is five minutes forty four, and joining me to talk about it today is Daniel Reifershide. Hello, Daniel. Hello. Excited to be talking about Beck. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is, I think this is, uh, I mean, out of the whole album, I would say that this is probably, uh, I don't, I mean, if I say sleepy, that sounds bad. Mm. Um, but it's kind of, it's kind of like the, the least intense of all the songs in the album. Yeah. Um, either they have like, you know, the first kind of four or five songs are very kind of like, um, kind of upbeat, the, you know, very kind of quickly paced. Uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of like dance stuff going on. Um, you know, and obviously once we get to Deborah, you know, that's kind of, um, you know, a kind of a very funky song. Um, whereas this just feels like, um, you know, like it kind of feels like Beck asleep on his <laughs> bed, kind of lazily singing into a microphone. <laughs> it, it, it could it could be on mutations, don't you think? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it, like it, it, it feels like out of the entire album, it feels like kind of the one track that doesn't really fit with the overall mm. kind of like Midnight Vultures, you know, um, sound. Uh, which you know, it, uh, from track to track varies greatly. Anyway, but like it just it just feels like the more of like the kind of the most kind of throwback out of all the songs that are on this um, album. It, like it just it just feels like a bit of a hangover from you know mm. an earlier Beck. It doesn't really feel like it's part of this um, this kind of this project itself. Uh, which you know might be true. I you know I'm I, you know I don't know Beck's um, kind of songwriting process. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, he mo- might have written it for this. It just might just be that the, the sound of it, um, you know, kind of it sounds like the previous album. Um, you know, Mickey Petralia and Beck, obviously, are the producers on this track. Um, you know, Mickey Petralia obviously has produced a couple of other songs on this album as well. Um, and, and so, it, I don't know. It's just, I think also, like, kind of, I mean, we've already had, like, the, the different kind of, um, there's been pedal guitars on previous mm-hmm. tracks on this album. Um, but most of the times they were pl- they were kind of played quickly or they were combined with like, um, you know, like banjo lines, you know, so there's yeah. kind of almost kind of like, a, you know, a, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it, but kind of um, almost like, uh, <laughs> like kind of like a Bubba Sparks type thing, <laughs> like kind of a southern kind of like rap feel to to the kind of way they've been played. Whereas on this song, it actually feels like Beck doing a um, I don't know if you could call this a country song. Um, but it's uh, you know it, it kind of just feels a bit more kind of um, laid back yeah. than some of the other tracks. No, I think it's definitely like country influenced, if not straight up country. I mean, even in the in the lyrics, you see that a bit. There's like a lot of tropes of like heartbreak and yeah. I I, I think that it definitely has a country vibe. As far as like the the Prince influence, which of course is huge on Midnight Vultures. Uh, I was trying to listen. To for that, since you know that's the 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 premise of the podcast to some extent, um, and I think that you can feel it just a slightly. Uh, you can you can kind of feel it in his delivery, but that's really the only way in which this song is like Prince. Yeah, like there's some of the 
vocals that sound a bit like oh i could imagine prince singing it like that but everything else is not prince at all yeah although i I think also kind of like the chorus the kind of breaking up of the because obviously when you when you see the title beautiful way um you know i don't know what Mm -hmm. comes to your mind but you you kind of think well you know what is the beautiful way what is that about uh you Mm -hmm. know is it a style of kung fu like what is you know what (laughs) what is this beautiful way and in the chorus when he says you know such a beautiful way and then you know the next line is to break your heart like that is that mm. is that is kind of a couplet that i could kind of imagine prince singing like breaking up you know the idea of what you think what you think it's going to be about you know like such a beautiful way and you're thinking mm. oh well where is that going but the kind of to break your heart you know like that that to me just feel kind of a little bit princely um but yeah most of the, i guess so yeah most of the lyrics really are kind of um i don't know I, I, it isn't quite as um, you know stream of consciousness as some of the other kind of songs on the album. You know, it, it I don't know. It kind of feels like there's a you know there is a heartache here, um, and each mm-hmm. line is kind of you know expressing that heartache. Um, although I, I mean I don't know because you know the, the chorus with the whole you know such a beautiful way to break your heart. It suggests that Beck is the mm-hmm. one in the wrong. Um, so I don't know. If... But in the second, uh, it's uh, the the first time he sings "To Break Your Heart," and the second time he sings "My Heart." Right? So yeah. It could be a breakup song. So I'm guessing that you know most of the verses are from Beck's point of view, but there is a chance that they could be mm-hmm. from the other per- person's point of view. Um, you know, mm. from him telling it from the point of view of the person who has been broken up with by Beck um, in this particular yeah. instance. Um, I, I think it's quite difficult to like impose a narrative on this or on most Beck songs. <laughs> I feel like it's more about like setting a mood. Yeah. And yeah, I would agree that mood is kind of like melancholy, uh, heart be- uh, heartbroken. As I said, also kind of country, you know, searchlights on the skyline, just looking for a friend. I could imagine like a country song starting that uh, that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this, this sort of like... Uh, deranged aspect of it as well, you know, like um, uh, who's going to love my baby when she's gone around the bend? There's someone calling your name. It's driving you insane. There's sort of an almost Lynchian feel there. Yeah, and and, and uh, it's worth saying as well that this is, you know, the the, the song samples a Velvet Underground um, yeah. song called Countess from Hong Kong, um, which I, I it's really weird because when you listen to that, it's it sounds. I mean, it's not exactly the same. The tempo is slightly different, mm-hmm. but it, it you can kind of imagine Beck hearing that song, and just hearing kind of like the opening two or three bars, and that giving him the idea of you know this kind of sleepy uh, kind of breakup mm-hmm. song. I don't know that the rest of the you know the rest of the song really really kind of fits with with uh, with what you know eventually beautiful way is. Uh, but it's it's quite mm. interesting to listen to that song, you know. Until until I recorded for this episode, I was not aware that this was sampling anything, and uh, 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 neither was I. And I didn't even know that this was a song. And I, I I've listened to like the the original Velvet Underground albums, but this is like from the box set, I believe. It's like a previously unreleased kind of thing. Yeah, uh, Countess from Hong Kong, and like so, I I looked looked it up on youtube and of course like one of the first comments is beck didn't write this song Lou Reed did in 1969 <laughs> and it's amazing to me that in 2018 there's still people who don't get the concept of sampling and just think like oh he ripped that off it's an interesting song to listen to just i mean it's nothing it's kind of apart from the fact that it has kind of the same kind of instrumentation at the start mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of really nothing like the beck song 
Uh, but it's also worth saying no. that, you know, Beck, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff added onto this. You know, you have like a harmonica solo from Beck. Uh, you, yeah. Like I say, you've got you've got two different pedal, you know, steel pedal guitars put over yeah. the top, which add a very kind of yeah. kind of country mournful feel to the, the song anyway. Um, you know, I'm always reminded. And you've of... got some sense, right? Yeah, sorry, yeah, you've got some sense as well, right? Like yes, uh, uh, that that sort of make it more modern. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, the thing is, whenever I, I think of a like a pedal steel guitar, I'm always reminded of uh, Lurleen Lumpkin on the The Simpsons, uh, like singing, you know, your wife don't understand me, because um, because <laughs> like the you know obviously the heavy basis of those songs is that kind of pedal steel country sound. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but you know, Beck has kind of you know managed to, as he's done with a lot of the songs on this album, kind of mix a number of different styles to kind of um, mm. get something that sounds slightly different. Um, but yeah, like yeah. This, this kind of this theme of uh, like you say in the chorus, you have the you know there's someone calling your name, it's driving you insane, and the who's gonna love my baby when she's gone round the bend from the from the verse. Um, you know, so obviously that you know there's a little bit of a kind of echo there of, of this sentiment of someone going crazy. Um, you mm. know, and there's a there's a reference to something called you know Egyptian bells are ringing. Uh, apparently, the first ever song that Beck wrote was uh, a song that he did with a friend of his when he was very young called Egyptian Bells, uh, and that apparently oh. is a reference to what at the time would have been roughly a thirty year old song that Beck has never released. Um, you know, that was only kind of recorded with him and a friend, and you know they're the only ones who <laughs> kind of ever heard it. Um, so it's kind of interesting that he puts that in there because like. You know, you think I, I don't know I, when you when you think Egyptian bells. I'm not I'm not quite sure what's meant to come to mind, um, and I don't know why a, a bell being Egyptian make it any different. I mean, I guess a yeah. certain kind of exotic feel is meant to be kind of um, brought up by putting the word Egyptian. But I think any anything with the same syllables, you know, Hungarian bells are ringing would would have ba basically make as much sense um, as mm. as Egyptian bells. Um, you know, and I I like this kind of you know sweet nothing I'm talking about you like. Kind of, t kind of taking, uh, you know, a phrase of like whispering sweet nothings and turning it into this mm -hmm. slightly, you know, something that Prince would occasionally do as well. Take, you know, kind of well-known phrases and kind of deconstruct them. Um, so I like that being combined with there's a hurricane blowing your way because, you know, the idea of whispering sweet nothings and, you know, that turning into a hurricane, um, kind of the idea yeah. of saying something and it, and it becoming kind of, you know, blown out of all proportion, maybe. I, I don't know what the kind of hurricane that's coming is. Uh, I guess the breakup. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we get the chorus. Uh, you know, uh, which I mean, I, I kind of I like the way that Beck sings the chorus, and I also kind of like the kind of double tracking. I'm guessing that's where Beth Orton is singing the backing vocals that I can't hear. Yeah, um, I would think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe maybe she's just sweetening the voices in the mix a little bit, but uh, it's not particularly prominent. Um, I, I I don't know if uh, if this has anything to do with her being on this track, but she did open for Beck on this uh, on this tour. I don't know if she did for all of it, but I remember this was like one of my first concerts or first proper concerts that I went to, as opposed to like going with my parents. Yeah, uh, was the Midnight Vultures tour, uh, and Beck went to Lisbon, and I remember Beth Orton opened. And it didn't really make much sense because she played these, you know, acoustic guitar, very slow, very folky things. Yeah. And then, you know, Beck came out and did this amazing show. Uh, I, I mean, she didn't open when the when the um, when the tour came over here because um, Nick Acosta was the opening act when I saw Beck uh, oh. in two thousand one. Still on the the Midnight Vultures tour two years after the album had been released. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, do, I I mean I think it, I guess it kind of makes sense in that um, you know I think 
Um, I sh- I'm sure she had something to do with the uh, the Dust Brothers at some point. I'm sure they produced uh, yeah. either one of her albums or some of some tracks for her. Um, or you know, I think she certainly knew some of the musicians that um, you know that uh, Beck had also worked with as well. So I think that's maybe where the connection came from. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I guess you know, if you were to pick, you know, uh, who was the British Beck? female equivalent in the early 90s i guess beth orton would kind of be about as close as you could get so it kind of makes sense that they would work together um you know in the in in kind of and that she would support him on on stage but um Mm. i don't know i guess maybe she would have been more suited for like his first couple of tours when he was more kind of you know yeah i was thinking like for for mutations or even for like the album after this right Uh, um what was it called the yeah, I don't, I don't remember the uh, the title of the album that comes after Midnight Vultures, but it uh, uh, Sea Change. Sea yeah, Change, Sea Change, which I think was nominated yeah. for some Grammys or won some Grammys or something. Um, yeah, like that that that's the back thing, and it's sort of like it, it's what made me sort of give up on him at some point as well. Is that it seems like he just does a party album and then a quiet folky album and then a party <laughs> album and then a quiet folky album, and it some it, it began to feel a bit calculated. But I still love Midnight Vultures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He's. I mean, I, I, I. As I said, you know, on the kind of on the opening track of this, you know, I, I'm a fan of Beck stuff, but I would say, you know, it's probably been about a decade since I've really listened to anything. Mm. Um, you know, so it was probably five or six years that I kind of. But say, you know, I've seen him live, so <laughs> so there's a, there's only a handful of people that have actually seen live, so. Um, you know, it was, it this album was, you know, it, you know, enough of a, you know, enough of a draw for me that I, you know, seen it live mm. and I, and I, and I definitely remember him performing this song live as well. Um, you know, when I saw him play. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the second verse, we get to, uh, you're wearing that stained raincoat and your umbrella was a tangled mess. I, I mean, there are some people who apparently feel that this is a reference to, um, uh, the fact that Beck was uh, a fan of Leonard Cohen and it's a reference maybe to famous mm. blue raincoat. I, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it's just a raincoat he's talking about. It could, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, I, I mean, it did immediately. I guess, like, uh, that the Leonard Cohen song might be the only other well-known pop song that has the word raincoat in it. And maybe that's why. Uh, I mean, I can think of post-punk band The Raincoats, but I can't immediately imagine another raincoat song um, but also it, it, it works well with uh, the end of the first verse, right? Because there's a hurricane blowing your way. Yeah. So she put on a, a nice stained raincoat and her <laughs> umbrella got a bit damaged by, by the hurricane. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, to me, like, um, I'm not sure what the significance of the stained raincoat is. Um, though, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I guess it is. I mean, to me, this may be just me reading something into it. It might be the most oblique reference ever, but it calls to mind, you know, Bill Clinton and uh, and <laughs> a, a certain dress. So I don't know if like this. But that was no raincoat. No, it, but but the, the whole like this whole stained dress thing. Mm. Um, so I guess sure. you know. So like maybe the idea of an item of clothing being stained as you know evidence of you know, intimacy the night before. So I don't mm. know what it's stained with, but that's that's the only thing that kind of came to mind with me is like the idea of like, that's why the raincoat is stained. Because otherwise, I don't know what she'd mm. be doing, painting a wall or something and she's got some paint on it. Like, <laughs> I, the fact that it's not a specific... Like it, well, I mean, maybe she just got like, she she fell in the mud because maybe. of the hurricane. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes sense. But I, I don't know, I, I felt like putting stained raincoat kind of 
Um, but I also like the uh, you know the 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 kind of the repetition of the 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 kind of the ain sound like mm. the kind of stained rain. Yeah, like it's you know it's very nice uh, kind of poetic device. Yeah. And I think that that's more what Beck is looking for in his lyrics, right? Like uh, the, the the poetry of the sounds are more important than any kind of literal meaning that you take out of it. Yeah, yeah, and and also like you know, I mean, you know, whose umbrella is not a tangled mess? Seriously, I mean, the umbrella, <laughs> the umbrella is like literally. I don't own an umbrella because. I've never known an umbrella that actually did its job. Uh, you know, it always ends up getting blown apart by wind. It always ends up kind of not completely sheltering you. You know, it's like they're just completely useless. I'm, I'm not quite sure how this scam has been going on this long that people seem to think that the umbrella is a, you know, is a worthy tool because it doesn't ever seem to work properly. Um, you know, you get this. I stopped using umbrellas when I moved to the UK. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, as well, is like if even if the even if the weather over here drops a couple of degrees, all of a sudden everywhere will be selling super cheap umbrellas. Um, and mm. uh, you know, I know I've known people who have bought like you know ninety nine p umbrellas and they've been useless. And I've known people who spent like twenty quid on an umbrella and it's still just as useless. As soon as the slightest yeah. gust of wind, the whole thing falls apart. Um, so you know, absolutely, yeah. umbrellas to me always a tangled mess. So um, you know that kind of works. And also, obviously, if we're talking about a hurricane, you know, an umbrella is no good in a hurricane. So no, um, you know, no. it still kind of fits with that idea. Um, but then I, you know, I kind of like this whole, you know, you were washed upon the glittering shoals, looking for another crime to confess, which um, you know is again is a wonderful kind of poetic phrase, um, mm. like the glittering shoals, and, uh, uh, but. But it also sort of like, again, shows how, how little literal sense there is to this, right? Because you're moving from this image of like a stained raincoat, you know, an umbrella. You're, you're imagining something perhaps urban, but certainly like bad weather. And then you were washed up on the glittering shoals. You, ima uh, you immediately imagine some sort of like tropical island, or at least I do. Uh, I mean, I think I imagine personally um, something like in Cornwall because that's I think that's the only time oh, okay. that I've ever seen kind of shoals is 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 in is in Cornwall. But yeah, like it it, it yeah it doesn't work with the kind of the idea of uh, yeah you have this idea of kind of an urban thing and then it shifts to this kind of glittering shoals, which you know doesn't feel like it could be um, you know certainly within a city or anything like that. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, you bribed yourself out of a place in the sun, but you had some change to spare, which like, again, this this kind of this verse is kind of odd because it switches to this whole kind of crime thing uh, where you have yeah. this kind of bribe and, uh, you know, this kind of I don't know. It seems like the idea of, uh, I don't know, someone in the mafia confessing something and they're, they're looking <laughs> for a place in the sun. Uh, which is the name of a terrible TV show that airs on daytimes over here in this country. Um, <laughs> and then also this kind of, you know, the change to spare. Again, that kind of double meaning with the word change. So, you know, it could mm -hmm. be this person making a change kind of in a relationship or, you know, literally getting some money for whatever they're confessing about here or getting money for this bribe. Um, so, you know. But also if you if you go for like the mental illness uh, angle, which we had with uh, some previous lines, the idea of you bribed yourself out of a place in the sun, that feels like something that's actually quite relatable to a lot of people in the sense of like that you 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 self-sabotaged basically right like you could have had this place in the sun but you actually i mean i guess bribing isn't the perfect verb for that but you sort of convinced yourself out of it yeah and also you know we have this thing where it's like you said you want to spend it on me and shook the blues out of your hair which again um you know 
either it can be the literal blues of you know feeling down or it could be someone mm-hmm. who has dyed their hair blue and they've they've decided to make that change and you know get the mm. dye out so there's a, there's a nice little kind of you know there's a few lines there with these kind of little double meanings um you know and then mm. we kind of we go back to the uh, the kind of the the chorus uh, but this time beck changes it to say there's someone calling your name and then he says you're going to miss that chain uh, you know, which I, I mean, I, I, to me, that kind of calls the, you know, the whole kind of, you know, ball and chain uh, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's, you know, kind of a relationship being a burden on someone. Maybe that's what he's sure. kind of trying to say. Um, and then we have kind of, uh, there's a, if I remember correctly, there's like a pedal guitar solo that kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, which is, you know, is, I mean, it, I, I'm going to guess that that is played by uh, JD Menace. Um, and it's, you know, it's a really good solo, like, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not like a, a huge fan of pedal steel guitar because I do feel it kind of ends up putting it ends up kind of getting this a song's kind of stuck in a certain rut. Um, but mm. uh, it is it is a really good solo. Um, and, you know, we then kind of go back to the chorus and, and the, the song kind of just fades out. Um, you know, yeah. it's one of the longest songs on the album. You know, it's almost six minutes long. Um, I have a feeling it might be the absolute longest song if you're not counting the, you know, the hidden kind of because obviously yeah. Deborah goes on forever and then kind of, you know, has like a, you know, a hidden track and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so, the hidden track. That's that's the thing I don't miss from the CD era. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is, uh, you know, te- this is really the longest song on the album because I think Deborah ends kind of ends a couple of seconds shorter. I think it's about 540, something like that. Um, so this is mm. kind of officially the longest song on the album, um, but uh, the fade out is quite long as well. So it's it like yeah. you know it's it's not like it immediately fades out after like three seconds and that's the end of the song. It's kind of a, a leisurely fade out, which kind of fits with the the style of the song anyway, um, of, of yeah. this kind of like a very kind of lazy song. Um, but yeah, you yeah. know. So I mean, uh, for me, I would say uh, you know. Uh, this is probably uh, I don't know I'm not going to say one of my least favorite songs on the album, uh, but it's certainly one of the songs that I probably listen to a little less. Um, you know, so I would probably say for me it's only about a three and a half out of five, uh, possibly a four out of five on a good day. Um, you know, mm. I like there's there's you know on this album you know there's only eleven songs. Uh, but I can think of at least four or five songs that I would listen to before I listen to Beautiful Way. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I, I would probably ag- agree with that. Though uh, I think that there are a lot of like neat little things in the song, hmm. like the very first uh, uh, the first few seconds uh, feel like you're in like a, a cave level of some Mega Drive game. <laughs> you know, there's the this kind of like weird cave noises. And uh, it's also sort of just like, you know, I, I, I think of it more as like part of the album uh, that, that it's on. And I think it makes sense within that because you can't just have like party banger after party banger. You need something to bring it down a bit. And I think it works very well within that context. Yeah, I think it, it also kind of, you know, obviously Pressure Zone is the next track and that's a lot more upbeat, uh, a lot kind mm-hmm. of a lot quicker songs. So it kind of, you know, it kind of. It kind of it's nice to have this kind of rest before that song comes in, but I think this pairs well yeah. with Milk and Honey as well because I think kind of Milk and Honey mm-hmm. has the kind of uh, this it's almost like the same vocal kind of style that Beck uses, uh, where he has yeah. kind of like the double track in and the you know kind of um, kind of slightly more lazy delivery of some of the lyrics. Um, so I think you know on the in terms of the flow of the album, I think Milk and Honey into Beautiful Way kind of works really well. 
Um, but it's it's yeah. just not it's just not like a song that I listen to like a huge amount, um, you know. Mm. But I, I'll say this, you know, there there are on uh, you know on YouTube there are like a couple of versions of this done acoustically, um, you know, mm. where basically you're losing the sample and kind of most of the country feel, and uh, it, the song really holds up like as an acoustic version. Like uh, I think you know the way that kind of. I think that kind of one of the marks of a really good song is if you kind of take away all the production, uh, you know, does the track still stand up? Um, and I think it still does. You know, if you listen to a couple of the acoustic versions that are out there, uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the kind of essence of the song um, is still kind of very strong and, you know, comes through even when it's just Beck and a guitar. Uh, I, I also think that it's better than the song that it samples. I, I will go that far. <laughs> I think that like um, Countess from Hong Kong is sort of like an attempt at doing what the Velvet Underground did better with Femme Fatale. It's sort of this, ooh, you know, she's she's a high society woman and, you know, like, ooh, the glamour of New York. And then I, I noticed that there's actually quite a few like um, other, um, well, not quite a few, but the that the, there is some Velvet Underground in the song as well. Uh, I mean, uh, on the one hand, I think here in... Um, um, where was it? I think it's... Uh, um, uh, yeah, there's someone calling your name that's uh, 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 that also shows up in, uh, in a Velvet Underground song. But also, uh, more importantly, uh, there are some... Yeah. towards the end yeah. which again like distances it totally from Prince Prince would never do a pa 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 I think <laughs> it's like it, it immediately makes you think of like cartoon theme songs from like the early six, early 70s or something like that you know it's yeah. a very and uh, uh, of course one of the biggest pa pa pas in pop is uh, Who Loves the Sun by the Velvet Underground as used in High Fidelity yeah mm. so I feel like we said about as much as we can about Beautiful Way so uh, let's go to plugs sure. is there anything that you wish to plug Daniel? Okay so very quickly uh, I do a uh, radio show on Radio Quantica RadioQuantica.com called You Know the Score uh, which you know in the same way that that um, funk uh, of the 70s uh, um, inspired Prince to uh, get even further. It also inspired uh, a lot of like grumpy old uh, um, men uh, from Italy and France to uh, notice that, oh, uh, this is how we have to do soundtracks now. <laughs> and this is the kind of stuff I play, you know, like uh, Italian bands trying to sound like Isaac Hayes. Uh, and I also have a podcast with uh, my fiance uh, called Off the Telly, where uh, the concept is that we are a couple of foreigners uh, trying to get into British culture via telly. And you can normally find me on Prince Track by Track, uh, which is, you know, findable in all the usual places. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Uh, thanks once more for being my guest here, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me. And otherwise, goodbye. I got a little bit of sympathy for you, girl. Because yeah. I'm a... I'm a full-grown man, and I'm not afraid to tell 